Robert, I'm going to spend a few minutes today talking. Uh, this is really the first part of uh, a topic that will probably come up multiple times. And it's just one. It's not really one topic. It's an over. It's an. It's an umbrella topic, I guess. Uh, the death of education. And it's something that we've been facing for a long time, and we know this is not anything new. I'm not coming out with any kind of a divine revelation when it comes to uh, us being able to look around us, see the news reports, see the things that are going on, talk to our neighbors, go visit you know, the, the businesses and the, the churches and the things that we do. And we can look around us and see that there is a huge discrepancy in the quality of our education system in general. And I'm not, I'm not slamming schools although they're included in this, I'm slamming society's lack of involvement in proper education of its people. So it's in general, it's overall, it's, it's a, a grand thing, and it, it is all-encompassing across all surfaces of the, of the earth. It's complete. <laughs> so it is not a particular state or district or country that I'm even pointing a lot of this at. This is what we have come to, and this is what we do. And so I want to, I want to begin talking about this because it is a soapbox that I think is worthy of standing on and speaking from. Because it, how we educate each other and the next generation, and re-educate the current generation, is major in our ability to sustain ourselves for any foreseeable time. Now, understand that in the grand scheme of things, I am I am very much of the belief that we are uh, we are going down a road that the large scale portions of that road have already been mapped out through divine revelation centuries ago. And so I'm, I'm not going to even pretend that I, I look at this as if we do these things, we can reverse the course of history in the grand scheme. No, that is not going to happen. I think we are on a trajectory that is leading us into the end times, and we are on the cusp of that, if not experiencing pieces of it already. And there's not really anything that we can do that will completely and utterly reverse that. I do not believe that we we alter that. And uh, and since we do not know the hour and the day uh, when these events will begin and happen, we can only estimate that we are in this trajectory of, of time. And anyone who tries to claim that on this date, this is what's going to happen, and this is how it's going to... No, we don't have that. I don't think we will have that. I think we will have a generality, though. I think there will be a point where, at the beginning, when those final seven years actually begin, I think that we will, we will begin to see at some point in that first year that we're in this. I think it will become very painfully obvious <laughs> that we are in it. And we're close. I mean, we're right on that edge of that at this point. But I think that we will, we will definitely get that urge, that feel. Now, I say we. I'm talking about those that are actually discerning any of this at all. And I don't think that will be a vast majority of the people. I think most people will go completely ignorant of it up to and including midway through those seven years. I do believe that that is... Very scary, and it's sad, and but it's real. I think there will be people that will be completely 
thrown off it within the church church leadership church bodies that will be completely thrown off when the reality is there that they are witnessing the antichrist and he is fully recognizing himself as that and they will go well, we didn't see it how did we know so i do believe there will be masses of people that will be seeing it that way for those that are left the population will already have been terribly devastated and that in and of itself i mean seeing that type of destruction going on across the planet um, <laughs> should be obvious enough. Now, there are people that want to uh, to point that there are certain natural things that have already occurred that are saying that that's happening. No. we When it talks about a third of the oceans and a third of this and a third of that dying off and being killed off, it, it's not talking about that in over the course of thousands of years or hundreds of years. It's talking about a devastation that takes place very quickly and uh, affects the, the, the world quickly. And so we it's going to be obvious when massive amounts of the ocean suddenly die or massive amounts of uh, animal life gets destroyed or things of that nature. All of that is going to happen. Okay. Um, and I apologize, there's some noise going on in the background if you're hearing any of that. Um, not everybody always knows that I'm going live. But uh, the it's going to be obvious for those that are looking for it. But there's going to be a, a massive amount of people that are not going to. They're just not going to see it. They're never going to see it. They're never going to understand it. They're not going to be a part of that. And again, I believe that's why the church is still here during that time period, because you're going to need those handful of people that actually are still Bible steady and can help interpret for people and help lead those masses into an understanding that the Lord is not this person that they're seeing that's supposedly saving the earth, but it is our almighty Lord and Savior, that your devotion to him is what is needed not to devotion to human beings so you're going to need the church during that time you just are and so that's that's where that is so that probably came off like a little bit of a rabbit chase and I, I apologize for that it's not intended to but it it does correlate with my topic of the death of education because these topics have have been building for a while but they are intended to desensitize us to the plight of everything and they are intended to make us not see what is coming. It, it is an intentional uh, removal of a basic set of common sense understanding of things. So I'm going to cover a few of these topics just mildly. I mean these are things that obviously that we're going to continue to cover endlessly until the very, until the very end. But uh, I want to cover some of this stuff and, and show you where I'm coming from, what my stance is on these issues, so that there's no question in that. And, you know, what's funny is that I, I've watched my social media accounts drop by about five or 6,000 in the last, say, year and a half, two years. And a lot of that, again, as I've said in previous uh, sessions, <laughs> a lot of that has to do with my denouncing now of the Q movement and my promoting, heavily promoting, of us going back into scripture and seeking Christianity as the answer um, 
the answer book for everything, not the things that the QAnon movement were, were pushing. And uh, and I saw numbers, vast numbers drop. I still get numbers drop. I still get percentages of drops uh, at this point. And I think part of that is because people just flat out don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear my what I, what this kind of topic. And and I get that. It, it's not a feel good. But neither was the cube movement, except that you were being told um, the bad guys are going to get it. You know, it's going to happen in the end. Well, you know that happens in Revelation too. <laughs> At the end, it happens. But you're not going to see Satan and his minions do a perp walk. <laughs> it's, it's not that kind of drama. People want it to be something that they see on television. And then they want to be able to go on and move on with their life. And then that's not how it's going to happen. The bad guys do bite it at the end. They do. They, they do end up having their perp walk. But it's not televised. And when it's all over... You don't just move on with your life knowing those bad guys are gone. The life as we know it will com- will be completely different. It will be a new kingdom, a new heaven, a new earth, and all of it will be very different. Uh, so, so, it, but it's not going to be the way people that have been labeled as conspiracy theorists have uh, have believed it was going to be. Now, I'm going to I'm going to touch that real quick before I get too much deeper into this. I am a believer that there are conspiracies. And if you understand the definition of conspiracy, it means something that is a plot against a group or an individual by another group or individual. And there are conspiracies. People do conspire with each other to damage other people, to damage situations. They do that. Okay? Um, family members, siblings will conspire with each other to turn on another sibling or family member in, in general. People will do this. People do it at work all the time. Those are all conspiracies. You're conspiring with, like I said, others to alter the opinion or the outcome of some other person or people's situation. Now, where it becomes crazy is when you talk about it as being conspiracy theories. That means it's a theory, which is funny because that's what all science is based off, is the idea that it's the theory, right? And if you are theorizing that there is a conspiracy going on in a group toward another group, then you are a conspiracy theorist. It's not a negative thing. You just believe that something is going on somewhere. And if it proves out to be true, then it stops being a conspiracy theory and it becomes a conspiracy fact. And that happens not necessarily every day to people, but it happens very often. You think something is going to happen a certain way, and you may or may not share that with other people, and then time either proves it out to be true or proves it out to be false and so it goes from theory to fact and that's normal that's normal daily activity for all of us if you interact with anybody at all you you see that i mean you you can face that looking out a window and you theorize about what's going to happen next out there outside the window and if you think that there's a group of people that are trying to conspire against you or against something. It doesn't have to be against you. And 
gets proven out, then it, like, again, it becomes fact and it's no longer theory. So please do not shy away from the concept of, of conspiracy theories. It just means that it hasn't been proven yet. And, and, and it will either be proven to be true or be proven to be false. And until it is, it's a theory. And But they, the, the system would have you believe, the machine would have you believe, that if you are theorizing about any of this kind of stuff, then you're a lunatic. There's something wrong with you. And that's not true because if it were true, then all of the science-dwelling people would be considered conspiracy theorists if they believed, or theorists in general, I mean there is a conspiracy, if they believe that uh, gravity is real. Okay, it is, it is a massive group of people conspiring to convince another group of people that they are crazy because they don't believe in gravity. They don't believe that it really exists, that it's not just mass and, uh, and things of that nature. And there's a whole long discussion in that. But you have to understand that gravity is still seen in the science community as a theory. It is the theory of gravity. Okay? It's still theory. It has been, from the very beginning, It's it's been theory. It has not been proven out to be fact, and it has not been disproven necessarily. It is still theory. So the science community tells you that depending on what your theory is, it's crazy. And yet one of the largest items that they want you to believe wholeheartedly in, as if it's fact, is gravity, even though they have not been able to actually verifiably change it from a theory to a fact. So just hold that kind of thing in mind because those are things that are written out. Do I, do I believe that when I drop a heavy object it's going to fall? Yes, I do. But do I believe, do I necessarily personally believe that it's because there is something pulling that object down? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't believe that. Um, but I do believe that the mass and weight of an object affects where it goes in relation to the atoms around it. And if you want to get deep enough about it, every single thing that in its existence is really just a close connection, a close commingling of atoms. And I'm sure there's something even smaller than all of that, you know what I'm saying. But, but my point is, everything that we think of as being solid is really just a tighter grouping of atoms versus, say, air which is a looser grouping of atoms. And because of that, objects would travel easier through that than they would, say, through a brick, or through a piece of wood, or through concrete, or through water, and so forth. That's what's happening. The, the object that has the tighter mass, and I know I'm not using great terms here, but I'm not trying to be a scientist either, that an object that has a tighter mass will travel through an object or set of objects that have a looser mass, such as air. And so if you've got something that has a tight conglomeration of mass, say a ball, and you let go of it, the air is not going to contain it, hold it into place and therefore the ball 
the sins. That's just a part of the way the process is. Okay. Now we we don't look at it as unstable, but it is unstable. Change the circumstances in which you are, change where you are doing what you're doing, and some of that activity shifts. If you're holding a ball in the middle of a room standing and you drop it, it is going to descend rather rapidly. If you are floating in or you're in a body of water holding a ball and you drop it, it will drop but at a decelerated rate. If you go up into the sky in a plane and do a quick descend, you get what we call zero G or zero gravity. And what happens is that the rate of, of, of drop is more rapid okay, in that process and so things tend to quote-unquote float. It's not that they float, they just are moving within the atmosphere in a different way. They're interacting with the molecules in a different way. The atoms are affected in a different way. But see, if it was gravity, gravity would work as gravity regardless. So, anyway, I digress. So I'm going to move on <laughs> with my topics. This is why none of my this is why none of my podcasts, none of them are ever 15 minutes long anymore or 30 minutes. I, they almost always go an hour plus. And I would apologize for that, except I, I'm i going to cover it the way I covered it. If you and I were sitting in a room somewhere having a discussion, it would be even longer. So feel relieved that you're not sitting in a room with me talking because then it would be you know two, three hours talking about this kind of thing. And what's wild is that on any given day, I don't really have a whole lot to say to people at all. I don't talk. And then I get on here... And, uh, and I can't shut up. So here we are. So here's some of the topics I want to cover just in highlights and, and how I approach it regarding the death of education. And the first one I want to hit is social media. Now, social media is huge. I mean, we're on it right now. I'm on it communicating with you. You're on it watching or listening to me. This is a part of it. I mean, it's social media. It's media that affects society in general. And, uh, of course, again, the joke going back when people started coining this phrase, social media, is, well, what was the other media before this? <laughs> was the other media not talking with people at all? It's just, it's a term. It's, it's what people have come to call it. But social media, I do believe, and it, it, it's a rapid amount of time that it, it has done this, social media has become a new religious movement. And I don't think anybody can even question that, really. It, it, it is. It is a, its own form of religious movement. People will worship people that are on social media. They may not do it. Now, some do it literally. They do it as if it is, this is their religious leader. And they admit that. But people will follow other people religiously. And they can't wait for the next whatever to happen. And that's one of the prime reasons why the uh, the political machine jumped in there and wanted to silence not just general conservative voices out there, but they wanted to silence then the president of the United States. They didn't like the fact that he was being that so many people were hanging on every tweet. Now, from a religious standpoint, it is scary that people would would desire and need and hunger for 
you know, 160 characters to be posted by an individual in order for them to maintain their sanity for the day. It is scary to think that that would happen, and it's scary to think that you would do that hanging on the words of the President of the United States that way. You want them to be leaders, but you don't want them to be your religious leader. You want them to be a political government leader, somebody who is protecting your rights to have a regular life out there. That's what you want them there for. That's what you need them there for. That's what Scripture says they're there for, to protect the needy. Government is there to protect the needy. Okay, and to protect your own freedoms. And our Constitution is written from that perspective. It is written for the people, and it is intended to protect the people from the government, which in turn is supposed to be protecting you from the bad guys, from evil. And sometimes it does, and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes the evil is part of the system. And, uh, and that goes back to what I said in, in my previous uh, session about People coming to me and saying, well, you know, all, all of our leaders are appointed to us by God and we're just getting our fair desserts. Okay, well, that may have worked for Nineveh or that may have worked in the day of the judges and, uh, and things of that nature. But not every single person who's put in a position of power is put there by God. Okay? And, and I'm not being facetious and I'm not uh, discrediting the scripture references that people have thrown at me for that. I do not, I mean, if you really truly believe that, that there's no need for you to vote, there's no need for you to do, to run for office, there's no need for you to do any of those things because apparently uh, God's put everybody in place that's going to have some kind of power over you at all times and how you get treated by those people that are considered supervisors or superior to you in some way is automatically a reflection of how God feels you need to be treated. Now, if you see life that way, I don't see how you leave the front door. I really don't. I don't see how you leave your home. Because you really, if you're going to believe that, you have to believe it wholeheartedly. Okay? Um, I believe that there are evil people in this world, that evil exists, there are evil people that exist within that evil, and they have evil deeds and evil thoughts, and I think that they counter against the good people. I do believe there's that battle that goes on, and I believe that if if everybody is given an opportunity to vote for someone to be put into a position of power, and we're talking about government here, right? We don't vote for our bosses at work. We vote for our representatives in the government. Most of them, not all of them. We don't really we don't vote for everybody that has some kind of a leadership position in local or federal government. But there are figures that we do if we are allowed to do that vote. And if the vast majority of the people vote a particular person in, if the voting has integrity behind it, then that person becomes that figure in office. And what's wild is... <laughs> That doesn't mean automatically that uh, that that's the person that community needs, or it's not even necessarily what that community deserves. Okay, people, what people are doing in the churches, they're mixing karmatic kind of things. They're they're mixing these Eastern religious ideas in with Christianity, 
and they're mixing Hebrew history in with Christian doctrine. And it becomes very muddy when they do that. The judges were presented very specifically to come in and judge the leadership of the day of the Hebrew people. And yes, there were judgments being placed on the Hebrews themselves for that. But the Bible does not say and it does not indicate that every leader in every society is appointed by God for that society. It doesn't say that. It was talking specifically about the Hebrew people. They were being judged. Now, do I believe that we get judged by the leadership that we have? Yes, I do believe that. But do I believe that God automatically appoints every figure that's there? No, I don't believe that. I don't. I think God allows us to do things. Okay, People walk away from God. They do whatever is considered enjoyable or prosperous for them in their own lives. And we saw that multiple times in Scripture. And I do believe that we eventually face consequences for that. And I believe that we're facing many of those consequences today. But do I believe that God is, is looking upon us and going, okay, they've had four years of Donald Trump. Let's give them, um, I don't know, two to four years with uh, Joe Biden and uh, Kamala Harris because, quite honestly, they, they deserve the Trump type of a leader for those four years they had him. But, you know, I'm just, they, they now need... Um, they now need a Biden-Harris type of leadership is what they need now. And uh, and my view of them has changed. It, it just really has. That's how I see about it. And, uh, you know, they're going to get their just desserts. I don't think God's looking at us that way. I don't think he's going, oh, well, you know what? You know, I gave you Trump. No, God didn't give us Trump. Okay? God did. He gave us Trump only in the sense that he allowed him to be born, just like he allowed all of us to be born. Uh, but if you're going to go into that argument, then you're going to have to say, well, then, okay, so the 61 million abortions that have happened since 1973 under Roe v. Wade have all been because God decided those babies shouldn't be born. See, I don't buy that either. Okay? I'm not, I don't blame God for what man has done to the unborn. I blame man for that. Not God. And I blame man for who they elect as their leaders and what that leadership leads us into. I blame man for that. I don't blame God for that. But in a world, and I haven't lost my topic, in a world where social media is king, where the people that have a video image on a small screen for your phone or your computer or your tablet or your TV that those people somehow have a, a higher draw than God does or than your family does your loved ones in general they've become your little small g gods and it has become a religious movement and people do become obsessed and as a result of that obsession some people end up being hunted down and you see social influencers they call them that have been killed they've been kidnapped and tortured and killed 
and you see people who will make five, six, seven, eight million dollars in a year posting images of themselves or videos or promoting products and things of that nature and it has become its own form of religion and again you remove that person out of the, the limelight and all of a sudden there's this group of people that are starving for their attention they've got to hear something from the Kardashians that day or they've got to hear something from Trump or they've got to hear something from whoever and if they don't hear from them then they wonder and, and people did the same thing with Q we've got to see a Q drop and I, I was there Okay, I was there I was uh, right there among other people that are probably listening to this going yeah we were we were like man we haven't seen a Q drop in you know like three days and uh, three days wow three days we haven't heard from somebody throwing some kind of a cryptic message out there that we then have to spend three months trying to figure out um, and then it doesn't come to fruition but we were sitting there going, we haven't heard anything for three days. Oh, it's gone dark for ten. This is it. It's a religion. We worship at the feet of these social media gods. And they're not all people. They're systems. So that is all there. And that is bringing down the quality of our education. We are educating ourselves and the future generations to believe that if you pay attention to an object on a screen and listen to what that object is doing, that it will lead you through for a healthy day. And it's, it's destructive. And it's educating people to become acclimated to an artificial intelligence determining their happiness for the day and their focus for the day. Now, if that's not enough, then we move into the category of equality. And that's become a huge topic again. It's been big in the past. It's even larger now. And uh, it just grows because, honestly, if we weren't talking about equality, really, seriously, if, if the news stopped covering it, the social media pundits would stop talking about it, if the schools would stop preaching it, and the churches would stop preaching it, you might be amazed to see how quickly you acknowledge that there really is more equality in the world than you thought. But see, they have to bring it up every day, multiple, multiple times a day. It has to be brought up on the TV commercials. It has to be brought up in the podcasts. It has to be brought up in the news headlines. It has to be brought up in the education systems, the curriculum within the church, the curriculum within the school, the curriculum within the government agencies. It's got to be brought up all the time. Equality, equality, equality. But when you break it down and you listen to what they're spouting about, they're really talking about diversity. The equality, and hear me out on this, equality is about all people being treated the same. Everybody has the same opportunity. Okay? And, and I'm going to hurt some feelings here. It's same opportunity, not same guarantee. You can line five people up in a room, give them all the same opportunity to do something, and not all of them will succeed at it. Not all the time. Or they'll succeed at it in different ways at different rates. And the outcome will be different. Okay? But that's still equality. They've all been given the opportunity. What they do with that is up to them. That's equality. That's true equality. 
But what they want is not that. They don't want everybody to have the same opportunities. They want everybody to be treated differently. That's diversity. Okay? Meaning they want this group to be treated quote unquote equally based off of their past and what they faced. And then we want this other group to be treated equally based off of what they've experienced in their past. I had, you know, I, I still go to interviews uh, for teaching positions and I, I am I am less and less convinced that I'm going to end up back in a normal classroom anytime uh, in my foreseeable future because I think that not only am I white and male and uh, middle-aged, but I am conservative and Christian. And all of those things ding against me at this point, getting back into a classroom, even here in Texas. But I was in an interview, I guess it was about uh, a little over a month, month and a half ago, probably about a month and a half ago. And I was being specifically asked questions. <laughs> not, by, not by the administration, by the way, but by one of the teachers that I would have been working with. And she was hell-bent on focusing in not on the quality of my teaching or the any of that, personality, anything of that. She kept focusing in on, well, you know, we are a minority-majority school. Okay, which, if you think about it, though, which is really kind of a stupid comment. If the majority of the kids that are there are a particular type of ethnic, they're not a minority, they're the majority, period. Period. But anyway, and, and this was a white gal, okay? So don't, don't get me wrong and don't think that I'm judging somebody else. I mean, this was a white woman who was asking me, well, you know, we're a minority, majority uh, campus, and uh, how would you differentiate your teaching based off of that? <clears throat> and I had to be very blunt and honest with her. I mean, I could have lied and I probably would have gotten the position, but then once I got in there and I taught the way that I actually teach, they would have not been happy with me, see. And <laughs> what tends to happen actually is that they, I end up getting called on the office because like, well, you can't just really you, you can't really just blurt this kind of stuff out. It's like, well, they can blurt the other stuff out. Why can't I blurt this out? But anyway, um, I, I was honest. I was painfully obvious. That painful for her honest. And I said, I would teach every student in my classroom the way that I've always done it in the last 14, 15 years. I would teach them all based off of the subject that we're teaching, the, the book that we're going through, the materials that we're working on, not based off of their backgrounds. Because I am a firm believer that we spend way too much time dividing everybody into their own little pockets instead of focusing on the things that they all have in common. And I think that may have been the moment when they decided they were going to go another direction. <laughs> to, be, to be very honest, I think that was probably it. I mean, and I don't think the administration had the problem. I think it was just the teacher that I would have been working with that had the problem with that. And, and I don't see where that's a problem. I really don't understand that. Can somebody really truthfully, I mean, with documented, experienced evidence, explain to me how focusing on how people are different rather than focusing on how they're the same is actually bringing people together? I don't get that. I don't understand that. And uh, years ago, when they first started talking about this diversity stuff, 
and that it needed to be taught from the classroom. Like, how do you teach diversity? I mean, give me a break. Any kids can look around in the classroom and see that the other kids in the classroom do not look like them. They all look different in some way. They all have something about them that is either goofy or attractive or scary or funny or whatever. Everybody does. But kids don't need to be told that because everybody in the room looks different from you, that therefore everybody in the room needs to be treated different than you. That's ridiculous. Small children don't think about that. Small kids playing in a playground don't focus on that stuff. We have to teach them to be that way. By nature, kids will play with each other, they will interact with each other, they will hug on each other, they will be nice to each other, and they'll also be ugly to each other. It's just, and it's not based off of their skin tones, it's based off of just human interaction. They'll do that in their own household, in their own family, who are all the same ethnicity, okay? So you don't have to teach that kind of a behavior. Uh, the getting along part. You don't have to teach them how to get along. You have to teach them how to not get along. And that's what the system does. And this diversity hiding under the wolves' clothing, I mean the, the sheep's clothing of equality is just that. It, it's Diversity is not helping the classroom. Diversity is hurting the classroom. And the classroom today is society in general. And, sparking off from my first topic, the classroom is social media. See, they're learning to divide themselves from other people by social media and by education. So the vast majority of their day is spent being told that you need to focus on people's differences rather than focus on their similarities which makes no sense. How in the world do you sit at a board meeting? I mean, how, how is, this is crazy. How do, you're not building these students up so that one of these days when they're in a work environment, they will work with each other. That's not how it's being done. What it's doing is that it's building it into a situation where they all will sit there and they spend the vast majority of their time trying to figure out how they're going to communicate their message differently to every person sitting at the table. They spend so much time focusing in on, I wonder what that person's background is and how I need to approach them, rather than just approaching the topic and letting everybody in the room do the same. But the system, including the education system, will not allow it to happen. And so we get diverse. Okay, We create more barriers. We create more obstacles. And as, as a result, we create and promote racism. And we, we ignore all those common shared values. <laughs> it's just, it's crazy. And it really is. I mean, I posted a photo the other day of, and some of you may have seen it. I posted this photo, and I didn't post it with any comments. No comments at all. I wasn't leading anybody in any particular direction. I just took the photo and put it on my Instagram account. That's it. That's all I did. And it was a photo of a Crayola display in the middle of a Walmart. And it was a special Colors of the World collection of crayons, chalk, markers, etc. All I did is post a photo. Again, no commentary. I had people jumping all over me 
in the comments and in private messages, you know, what was my point? How can he be against this? Um, I love, you know, and some of them were like, I love all this. I love all the diversity because when my kids color, they want to be able to color the princess and the color that she is in the cartoon and the, the crayons weren't there before to do that and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. They're, they're the colors of the world. Okay. I have news for you. You, you look at the old standard 16-pack of Crayola crayons and... Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but all of those colors that were in that box were colors that you can find in the world. I wasn't aware that Crayola crayons were created purely for the purpose of drawing skin. I thought, I thought they were, um, I thought they were there just color drawings. I mean, you use a green for grass, you use a yellow for a sun, you use a blue for a sky water or for an outline of cloud and or you use white um, for snow or for whatever I thought that's what you were doing I, I wasn't uh, wasn't aware that crayons were created in order to create diversity I mean if they wanted to be accurate instead of calling it colors of the world because again the original 16 pack or the 64 pack or whatever those are all colors that exist in the world period if they really wanted to be true to it, they wanted to be politically correct about it, what they should have done is labeled these boxes skin tones. Crayola skin tones. And you know what? I wouldn't have had a problem with that. <laughs> That's what's funny about it. If they had been honest about it and they just said that it's, these are skin tone crayons, then I would have like, hey, you know what? That's cool. They've got a box that's specifically designed for you to have the different skin tones so that when you're using the regular 16-pack or 32-pack or the 64-pack and you don't find the color skin that you want for the, the person that you're drawing, you can go into the skin tones pack and pick out that particular color so that you aren't forced to use a brown or a white or a black crayon. Psh, simple solution. Oh, excuse me, and I want to wipe out the yellow crayon that was used too at one point. Now granted, kids had to use those colors when they were creating the drawings of people because that was what they were limited to. Okay? But again, Crayola crayons and crayons in general were not created solely to draw skin. They were created to draw things you see in nature. And instead of teaching kids how to blend colors together again we separate them we diversify the crayons but I just posted the photo out there is all I did I didn't have any commentary to go along with it and I, I wasn't intending to I wasn't trying to be pro or anti I was just going well look at this this is here but I got all kinds of comments from people. And again, if, if our crayons need to be modified to be politically correct, we have messed up somewhere. Because again, it's just colors that small children are using to color objects. That's all it's intended for. 
and we have had a full spectrum of colors available to us in colored pencils and chalks and things for a very long time. But we never once had to label those boxes colors of the world. They were tones in general because, you know what, your furniture has a particular tone to it too. Your carpet, your roof, your bricks, your clothes, they all have tones of color as well. I'm waiting for the uh, I'm waiting for the Crayola uh, Hawaiian shirt box so that it has all the colors that would typically appear on a Hawaiian shirt so that you can uh, you can make sure that you accurately color your Hawaiian shirt images with uh, with the politically correct colors. Anyway, okay, so I move on to my next. <clears throat> From there. Again, if it wasn't bad enough, we're trying to control everything and we want to change the way that we see everything. So, of course, I need to jump into, we want to change the way that we view the climate. Now, there are, the world's full of documentaries on climate issues, okay? And, and I get all that. The climate does change and it changes seasonally, it changes of course uh, across decades and things of that nature. I could show you right now documentary footage that is referring to the, uh, the shifting of the polar regions is actually a result of the earth still recovering from the flood. And I won't digress into that one other than to say that if you have not seen the documentary Is Genesis History, you need to. It's worth watching. It really is, and it's not—it's not pushing an agenda at you. It's legitimately asking PhDs in these areas honest questions, and the items that get brought up in it make absolute sense. And one of the elements that it talks about in there is that yes, the climate is changing, but it's changing because of the flood. It's still changing because of the flood. And why is that? Because the earth is not millions of years old. That's why. The earth is not millions of years old. We've not been involving and in all that. That has not been happening. Okay? The secular science community has been intentionally throwing as many years as they possibly can at an object so that their theories not only cannot be tested, but so that they can stand out. If you put enough years in there, anything is possible. See, that's their way out of having to prove anything. Now, if you show proof of something eroding or changing over the course of hours, weeks, years, as you can say Mount St. Helen and that's definitely worthy that portion alone is worthy of watching uh, just footage in general of that let alone the, the, the Is Genesis History documentary but you look at all of that and you realize all of that changed within a matter of hours and days and that landscape reflects the same landscape that you see in the Grand Canyon and across other major uh, areas around the entire planet. 
the strata are there and all that, although there's no erosion that appears between the different strata levels and all that kind of stuff, and, and it's all there. I mean, it happened very rapidly, a rapid flood, and part of that, the area, such such a sweeping motion of water, particularly, it was at that point, it was post-flood, that you get the massive crushing and reshaping of continents and the the mountains being rushed up uh, due to collisions between plates and so forth, and you get all of that happening. And as a result of that, you get regions that are overflooded with temperature changes that happen. <laughs> Climate change, right? And the temperature changes rapidly because of that. I mean, it happens down there in Louisiana when you get a major hurricane, or you it happens over uh, in mudslides over in India and so forth. You you get all of this, and you see the rapid change of landscape in a matter of minutes because of the massive rush of water and so forth. But the land all moves and everything changes and the climate, the temperature changes. As a result, you get some areas that the temperature gets low enough that it freezes and so therefore you get snow and so you get ice caps. And when you get the ice regions in there, all of that then has to eventually begin to thaw out again. And we are still living in a world because it hasn't been millions of years, it's been thousands, it hasn't been millions of years, of all of that in the process of it re-melting out after the flood. But they want to talk climate change, and they want to talk about what we have done, that what human society has done in the blip of this planet to destroy everything. Now, what's funny is if you want to believe that the Earth is millions of years old, you have to ask yourself, okay, we, we've been in existence how long? Okay, I mean, if you really want to look at it, I mean, and there are some societies that believe that they go back 100,000 years or whatever, okay? So if, if, let's just use that as an example. If, if humanity has been here on Earth for, say, 100,000 years, but you, but you claim the Earth is millions of years old, then how can you really say that human life is what has caused the, the changes and that most of these changes have only happened in the last couple of hundred years? So if we've been here 100,000 years, in their theory, which I don't believe, but I, I don't believe the million, but I don't even believe the 100,000, but if I were to believe that, so we're supposed to believe that humanity existed for 100,000 years and then within the last couple of hundred years we've suddenly become destructive. <laughs> okay, whatever, okay? But they, they want you to focus on that, they want you to feel guilty. The system, the machine, wants you to feel guilty about the earth naturally going through changes due to catastrophic events that took place either in the early stages of human history or pre-human history, whichever it is. But we're supposed to be feel guilty because the earth is continuing to shift and change in that. I mean, you can have, you can have some kind of an event happen, uh, an earthquake happen, and you can have tremors from that in a house for weeks. The house will continue to settle, and, and that's just one house in one local earthquake, you can imagine across the entire surface of the earth, you've got major devastation that takes place. The earth is going to continue to shift and shake and rumble and do its things for a considerable amount of time, and all of that is there. But they don't want you covering that. They don't want you looking at it that way. They want you to feel guilty about it. Not that there's a thing you can do about it, but they want you to feel guilty about it. And they don't want you going outside and observing any of it. Now this is this is one of the craziest things, and in in it kind of has 
it kind of has COVID written all over it. And, and again, now this is a conspiracy theory, and I will grant that, it, that what I'm about to say is. But it's interesting that we were locking people away, keeping them from exploring things, keeping them from traveling. And when you do that, you keep people from observing the conditions of the earth. <laughs> we don't want people going around the earth and seeing societies that are actually getting along. We don't want people going around the earth and, and, and exploring... Um, Oh, and by the way, for those of you that are listening to me and I'm saying around the earth, I'm not saying marble-shaped earth. I'm just saying around as in you're traveling around the surface of something, okay? Anyway, they don't want you traveling around the earth, observing other cultures, observing religious movements, observing geological, uh, ecological successes. They don't want you looking and exploring at the history of the earth. They don't want you testing those grounds. They want professionals doing that only. They don't want individuals exploring any of this because they don't want you to see what the earth really is like, what conditions things are going in, what the rest of the world looks like, how green the grass is or isn't uh, you know, in your neighbor's yard. They don't want you observing any of that. They want you to listen to them about how everything's going rather than observe it yourself. Because they know observation is the is the largest uh, disinfectant from lies. If you can observe something, you can observe observe healthy interaction between cultures. Then that dismantles their idea of racism. If you can observe a natural progression of events. Uh, ecologically and geologically then that dissipates their ability to tell you that the earth is millions of years old or that we are just a random piece of something and that evolution is uh, how everything has begun you know all that, that's see if you observe something other than what they are telling you then you won't believe what they're telling you so they don't want you observing it and COVID was a master at that. I mean, it took an entire generation of students out of the classroom, forced them into their computers, and they've just been spewing all of this stuff in the last year and a half or so. It is a total, massive indoctrination of concepts while they have everybody occupied. But again, they don't want you going and taking physical trips somewhere and observing the ecology in action. They want you to hear what they have to say about it. They want you to believe in climate change as a negative rather than just a natural occurrence. And they want you to believe that you're responsible for it, that you personally are responsible for it, but they don't want you to observe any of it. They want you to believe that animals evolved, but they don't want you to actually do any research to prove it. They just want you to believe it. Just like they want you to take the shot, but they don't want you to read the documentation about the results of the shots. They don't want you to read any of that stuff. They don't want you to know any of that. They don't want you to pay attention to that. They just want you to do it. Just comply. Just comply. That's, that's, that's all you got to do. But they don't want the kids, especially, exploring anything that actually is real. Now, that leads me into the next hurdle. Since they don't want you focusing in on what's actually taking place here on Earth, and this is where I'm going to offend some Trump people, so hold on. 
<clears throat> so they don't want you focusing in on the details of what's actually happening on Earth. They want your head in the clouds. They want you to be thinking about the space program. They want you to be thinking about Mars. They want you to be thinking about um, SpaceX and all that kind of stuff. They want you, and they don't—they don't want you thinking about satellites either. They want you thinking beyond that. They want you outside of the atmosphere of the Earth. That's where they want you. They want you thinking in that direction outside of this planet, so that you will stop paying attention to this planet, and so that your head will be quite literally in the clouds, thinking about how to. Um, because, see, they, they depict space as peaceful, as tranquil, as quiet, as honest, and, and in its own way, virginal. It's unexplored. It's, it's fresh. It's new. It's romantic. It's sexy. See, space is, is that way. And that's why that's they depicted it in the 60s, as they were building into the space program. This is where we want to be. Real men explore the space lanes, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and you've got a, a mass of science fiction that built up under all that. And science fiction, not just in movies, but I mean in literature. And you, honestly, you had science fiction in the classroom textbooks. They throw images in there that are provided by NASA of what these galaxies are supposed to look like even though we have never been there and if we were to ever get an object that could actually go to it and photograph it we couldn't get the object there within our lifetime let alone get the object back to us within our lifetime with the photo I mean we're supposed to believe that <laughs> we're supposed to believe that we can get digital high resolution digital images off of the face of Saturn's rings but you can't maintain your cable network channel without a glitch your Wi-Fi goes down here and you lose data that you're transferring you can't connect in certain cell phones in certain areas of your own neighborhoods and that your cell phone interrupts flight activity on an airplane. But we're supposed to believe that somehow we are able to get, off of what they're told us, images from millions of miles away in huge, high, 8K resolution. Not 4, 8. Beautiful images of stuff. And then from those images, we're supposed to be able to diagnose exactly what kind of mineral levels are in the objects that are there. <laughs> we don't even know how the COVID vaccines work, but we're supposed to be able to analyze the chemical makeup of the rings of Saturn from satellite images. you catch how silly all of this is? But boy, it puts your mind out there. It makes you excited. It, it makes you feel like there is something bigger and, and greater out there. And here's where the Trump people come into play. Here's where I offend you. Now, I am pro a lot of his policies. Okay, I am. I, it, I'm not knocking the fact that he was definitely better at producing America-saving policies. I, I, I do grant that. 
Okay, and you're seeing the obvious difference in that just in the last few months under a Democrat administration. You see the massive changes in the way the world is projected and the way that we react to things. So I'm not, I'm not dissing any of that. I do believe that he was a better leader. But he was also condoning the bread and circuses mindset, this idea of if we can get people distracted into other areas, they won't pay attention to some of these other things. And SpaceX and Space Force were major components of that. I mean, he campaigned on it, and he promoted it, and he created it. This idea that we're going to have this, what, sixth branch of military, and it's going to be Space Force. That we're now, and we've got, we've got military leadership that are running this thing. Running it from where? We've already been told that, what is it, by 24 or 26 or something like that, they're going to be dismantling the, the ISS. The International Space Station is going to be dismantled within the next, what, three years or so. So where is the Space Force going to be headquartering itself? Or are they just going to gain residence of the ISS? It's no longer going to be an international station. It's going to be a U.S. entity. Wouldn't that be interesting how we're going to overtake international property? But who knows how that's going to happen. But again, it's they got people thinking in the clouds. They got people excited. They put them back into the 60s mindset of, we're going to go back to the moon. Oh, no, we're going to go beyond the moon. We're going to go to Mars. We're going to go do this. We're going to be exploring. Then you get these billionaires out there that are additionally adding to all this by creating these so-called rocket flights. Okay, so we've had two billionaires go up in rockets. Okay, Hello, they're really in... in capsules with jet engines attached to them and they send them up into the upper atmosphere and then they float back down and land. That's it. That's all they did. But in both cases, the media and the world looked at this and said, we've gone out to space. We've taken civilians to space. No, you've taken civilians into a very high altitude airplane. That's what you've done. And in fact, it was so safe they didn't even have to have oxygen tanks and spacesuits on. They were wearing cowboy hats and boots. But we're we're being told they went out into space. And that there's gonna be more trips doing that. I mean really consciously think about it. If if they went up into the atmosphere and they didn't need oxygen then I have to ask myself the question, why did I have a hard time breathing as a child when I and my family visited high elevation, uh, elevation areas in Colorado? You get up in the higher regions of some of these mountain ranges and yeah, the air is harder to breathe. You do need oxygen the higher up you get. But we're supposed to believe that you can take a rocket or an airplane or whatever you want to call it up into the upper areas into the so-called outer space and you don't need oxygen tanks and you don't need pressure suits and you don't need any of that kind of stuff so which is it I personally observed the oxygen depletion that happens at higher altitudes so I know that it's got to be even worse the higher up you get or is that a or is that lack of oxygen in higher altitudes on mountains for a different reason? And I, I, I'm not trying to be stupid. I don't believe that. I think it's because the air is thinner the higher up you get. 
Because God designed it that way. Why? Because we don't need oxygen way up there. And you know why it's not up there? Because what creates the oxygen? Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's the vegetation here on earth that causes it. I mean, what causes the vegetation to exist? Oh, maybe it's the human life or animal life that expels the, the uh, carbon uh, dioxide. Oh, you mean... Our exhaling keeps the plant life producing the oxygen that we inhale. And the higher up you get and the less vegetation there is, the less oxygen there's going to be because there's no oxygen producing plants. Hmm, that makes sense. So the higher up in the sky you get, the less oxygen there's going to be. So shouldn't it be natural? If they really went really high up, they would need oxygen tanks in order to survive. Now, Somebody may indicate that they did have portable tanks like you would have like with scuba, scuba deer, things of that nature, and they, they may have had that when they were up there. That's very possible. I just know that we saw no images to that effect. All we saw was them get on with cowboy hats on, and we saw them land and leave with cowboy hats on. That's all we know. That's, we don't have more details than that. There are people that probably do. I can guarantee there are people that do. And they may want to share that information, and they may not. And there may not be anything to it. But people got amazed with it. I mean, it, it, if I understand right, it was like $5 billion for Jeff Bezos to go up and do his whatever that was, 11-minute, 13-minute, whatever trip. And that was total. I mean, from takeoff to landing, it was, it was like it was less than 20 minutes. And it cost somewhere in the neighborhood of like $5 billion to do that. Now, I'm not really sure what that $5 billion was being spent on. You're going to tell me it's $5 billion worth of fuel? I, I doubt that. But anyway, the, the, and he then turns around and thanks his employees for working their butts off so that he could go waste $5 billion to take a flight up into the other atmosphere. And they're saying they want to do more of this. Apparently, they just have nowhere to spend their money. They don't want to spend on anything actually real. They just want to spend it on taking really, really high-level uh, zero-G drops is really what they want. But again, the space program is another part of that. We, they want to get people's minds literally off of the troubles here on Earth. They want to get them away from looking at the actual climate. They just want you to believe things. They want you to get away from the real history. They want you to just believe what they tell you. They want you to get away from the Bible. They want you to listen to their programs. Um, they want you to get away from actually researching medicine. They want you to just take the damn shot. They they want you to ignore your friends and family and your loved ones, and they want you to pay attention to people that you don't know on social media. This is where everything is, and all of that, all of that together, accumulative, is a part of the death of education that I'm referring to. That's what they want. That's where they want you being. And what's funny is... It creates a, a, uh, a total desensitization of the Orwellian effect. In the 1948, when George Orwell wrote 1984, it was a scary, scary novel. By 1984, in reality, it was already a world that was really existing. By 2000, it was being embraced 
here in 21, it's being idolized. I stopped teaching 1984 a number of years ago in high school to the high school students because it no longer scared them. It no longer had any effect on them. They they heard the stories of the big screens and, and on the wall in their rooms and they were like, okay, yeah, I've got a big TV like that in my room. Didn't mean anything to them. Well, you know, but there's there's somebody watching all the time. Well, yeah, there probably is. There's cameras everywhere. It's no big deal. It wasn't fearful for them. They were actually more afraid of Fahrenheit 451. The concept of not being able to have any kind of books they were actually that actually frightened them more. This idea that they were no longer going to be able to to have any books, and the, the thought that they had to memorize a book in order for history to know that the story ever existed, that actually created a level of, of freakout for them. And of course, we dumbed down Animal Farm to the point we made it nothing more than just a cute cartoon. Um, but they don't want you teaching animal farm in school anymore either because you can't really effectively teach it, especially as you get past middle school. You can't teach it without teaching about the socialism that it's referring to, the communism that is embedded in the very structure, and that each of the figures, the primary figures, especially the evil ones in the story, all represent figures of socialist or communist regimes. Orwell did that on purpose. Each one represents real figures, from Stalin to you know and so forth, and um, and Lenin and all of that. It's it's designed for that, but they don't want you teaching in that school anymore because that would open up a dialogue to talk about that type of thing. And if kids really knew this, just like if you were really exploring out there in, into nature, if kids knew that this is what this was about, they would realize that what they're facing around them and what they're being told by the government is animal farm kind of stuff. The system doesn't want that. The system doesn't want them taught that. The system wants you to pay attention to those social influencers online. They want you to believe that diversity is actually equality. They want you to believe that climate change is what you need to focus on, not actual ecological research or geological research. They want you to believe that you can end your life by living out in space and that you know even if the earth itself gets destroyed we can just take off on a rocket somewhere and go to another planet and that Mars is sounding really cool right now even though the images of Mars look painfully like images that we find here on earth including rock structures that are identical to the images that they claim are coming from Mars uh, people have been able to actually pinpoint them and say hey look at this this is the exact same landscape uh, I mean, rock for rock, but in that photo, they claim is on Mars. But we're supposed to ignore all of that, and we're supposed to believe that uh, there will be a better life available to us outside of this planet uh, because we're going to destroy this planet. The death of education. There'll be more on this. I'll continue to cover, as I have, Hopefully, here in the near future, I'm going to have some co-hosts come on so you won't be listening to just me. I've been reaching out to a few people here and there, uh, trying to reunite with some of my old research buddies, as well as introduce a few that some of you may already know from social media, um, but then some of the you will not know. And I'm not looking for professionals necessarily. I'm looking for people that are like you and me, people who have a skill or knowledge in their area uh, just by living their life, and that's that's really what I'm looking for. I'm not looking to create some kind of a program where I've got a bunch of professional uh, paid people 
to come in and do this. That's, this is not a news program in that sense. When you, you see the, the words press in first century press, it is not referring to a professional news media. It's just referring to a uh, information release that is first century focused. That's all it is. The common man, everyday person's press. Freedom of that press. So here we are. I'll, uh, I'll pick up hopefully within the next day or two with more information and uh, please share this if you're not watching it live but you're listening to it later on please share this information firstcenturypress.com particularly if you go to podcast.firstcenturypress.com or through rumble rumble.com slash firstcenturypress or instagram at firstcenturypress and twitter it's the same same tag on there most of this information will be available across all of those platforms. I've got, I don't know, I've got other social media accounts as well that are out there, and you may run across them, but I'm not going to list them all here. But the primary thing is getting out there either on the Rumble site so you can watch these videos live or pre-recorded, and uh, and also getting, and then you'll notice that I'm going to Rumble instead of YouTube. I'm trying to get away completely from YouTube. So video on Rumble or audio on podcast.firstcenturypress.com. Love y'all, praying for y'all, and I hope that uh, everything goes well going forward for y'all, not just today, but in your near future.